You're listening to Small Business Made Simple, a podcast for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Most of our interviews aren't with professional speakers and authors. The bulk of our interviews are with hardworking business owners that are out in the community building their businesses, leading their teams, and leaving a legacy. And they want to share what they've learned with you. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the owner of One Click Agency, a website design company for small businesses, and I'm also one of the co-hosts of this show. Our goal today is to help you stand out to your customers, beat your competition, and grow your business. I hope you enjoy the podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Um, with me today, I have Mr. Dale Dupree. Now, Dale, I've been I've been following your stuff on LinkedIn for a while. I mean, James Carberry uh, gave me your name months back, and you do some phenomenal stuff. And it's been it's an honor to have you here. So, thank you for joining me, man. Oh, dude, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, you're the founder of the Sales Rebellion. Um, tell me about that for a minute or two. What kind of sparked that for you? Yeah, no doubt. So my story is a, it's kind of a long and intricate and windy one like most. Uh, but I actually, I, I wanted nothing to do with sales at a certain point in my life, right? Which is always the story about where you end up in the first place. It's like getting a political science degree, right? And then ending up, you know, doing sales instead, right? The thing that you didn't want to do. And so you went and got a political science degree to get away from it. But I digress. My story really begins back in 1984 when my father founded his copier firm. I was born a year later with toner running through my veins, as we like to say. And so I, I had this kind of predestined setup where no matter what I did, I was coming back to the copier industry and to work for my father. It was just, it was just in me at that moment in time. But when I was 17, I actually did my first tour with my band all over the United States that I founded when I was 15. And we got signed to Pluto Records uh, after that 52-day tour that we did, you know, self-sustained, basically. We recorded an album with, or an EP, I should say, with Jeremy Staska, who had just finished recording Newfound Glory, Marilyn Manson, some pretty big names. So we, like, ponied up a bunch of money to, to go and produce our own album and, and have That's sick. Jeremy Staska record it for us. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, we hit the road, got signed to a record label after we put all this time, effort and work into the whole process. And then we ended up getting on, on Warner brothers uh, music group. So we were on a major record label um, and then drugs and addiction got in the way of all that. And I broke up the band uh, because of what was happening on the, on the back end and said, I don't want anything to do with, with yeah. this side of it. I don't want to ruin lives. I don't want to see lives, lives ruined. And so that's when the prodigal son returned. I called my daddy and I went and I worked for his copier company. And I spent about two years sucking at sales and learning it. And thank God that I had a dad that was willing to, you know, do that with me. But after that, I I I ended up becoming really good at copier sales. And then I spent the next 12 years crushing it, being, you know, one of the top producers, not just in the state of Florida, but in the country for a particular manufacturer, winning awards, accolades, you know, you name it. And then, you know, of course, being the number one rep in my organization as well, too, came with its perks and then being a VP of sales at one point as well. So, you know, I just like climbed the ladder and had a lot of fun, made a ton of money. And then I sat back one day and, and looked at my walk and my existence and what sales <clears throat> is portrayed to be and said, this sucks. I, I don't like any of this. I don't like the mainstream, the way that, that people make sales look. 
I don't, I think that there, there's a, a like a fresh, uh, you know, a t- uh, really there's the opportunity for atonement is how I looked at it, that putting a fresh face on sales and saying, let's rebel against the things that people have been telling us are the norm, because I have literally done the opposite and experienced great success. And I find fulfillment with myself through it as well, too. My clients and customers build relationships with me because of it and not just transactional, you know, instances and moments. And, and I, I, so I sat back and said, I like that existence better. And I feel that people will too. And so I took a chance to quit my high paying, nice salary, comfy job uh, for a paycheck of zero and became an entrepreneur. And I'm about a year and a half coming up on two years right now of running the sales rebellion. And I couldn't be happier with my life. That's so cool, man. Um, and today you're going to really help us have that mindset shift, that uh, paradigm shift, whatever you want to call it to give us that fresh perspective that sales don't have to be sleazy. They don't have to be the mundane. They don't have to be what they've been for years past. And you gave us four points here. Um, so we'll jump right into those. But before I do, um, I was scrolling through your LinkedIn and I thought this was pretty funny. I came across a video, uh, the copy warrior. Was that, was that back at the, uh, the, your dad's company? Yeah, that's your boy. I, so I actually, <laughs> I shot that. My dad sold his firm. I was with my dad's firm for about four years before he sold and the company he sold to, I became I became their number one rep overnight, pretty much. And uh, and that's when I actually I started making a lot of money at that point, and I and I recorded that commercial. So anybody listening, you can go to copierwarrior.com. I left up the main domain, and you can head there, and you can actually find the YouTube video that he's talking about, and you can actually find more YouTube videos when you go to the page. <laughs> I will say I laughed when I saw that. That was good. It was a good ad. Um, but anyway, so the first point you have here, Dale, is. Uh, Companies they need to stop treating their salespeople like employees. Um, why do you think that? So uh, we can get way into the weeds here if we if we're not too careful. So I, this is the problem I think right now, especially in 2020, is that we've separated this thing that provides for us as individuals, which is business and work, as its own category. We say things like "Don't talk about politics and religion," you know, to other people. Well, that's done nothing but cause problems when you actually talk about politics and religion because nobody knows what how to talk about it. Right? Same thing mm-hmm. with business. Anytime you try to bring the personal life into business, it gets shut down because no one in business knows how to talk about it. You know, from a personal perspective, you know, they hear someone say, "Yeah, I've been having suicidal thoughts," and and I've been taking antidepressant meds and I'm seeing a psychiatrist and the people in the office are like, oh, my God, we can't talk to this person about these things. You know, when and we yeah. need to we need to talk to HR. We need to let them know we need to we need, I need to get my hands out of this. And instead of, of empathizing with the human being in that moment and saying, like, gosh, is it this job that's doing that to you? Do, can I help you? Okay, is there anything that I can I just listen? Right. Like what what do you need from me from a support perspective? Well, we don't have that at work. We really uh, and I shouldn't say all of us don't have that, but the people that are listening right now that do have it, in their mind, they would never go anywhere else and do anything else because they have everything at their fingertips from a support perspective. Now, not to say that people don't move on, bro. People do move on and, and, the, and the grass can be greener sometimes, but that doesn't yeah. mean that they have to move on in a, in a in a way that is, you know, unsustainable. And what I mean by that is by you know quitting a job and leaving them in the dust and with no you know hope for the position that you had you know instead we can help to find the replacement we can keep that relationship strong with that old employer and move to the next thing that it is that we want to but i'll say right now i did that right i left my nice privately held business you know the job that i had at this privately held company to work for corporate america make more money get more you know control over organization you know and and have more of a reach and it was the Mm -hmm. literal opposite it was like 
putting yourself into the control of other people more than anything else. And, and it's that control that does it's power. That's all that is. It's just power. It's, it's wielding power. It's playing with people's lives and it has nothing to do with true and ultimate success. So you're saying that companies need to be more personal instead of just shipping someone off to HR and saying, Oh, there's nothing really we can do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. People need to learn how to have good conversations. People learn how, need to learn how to get past the surface. People need to learn how to engage other human beings better again. Because sales is life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the sales rebellion isn't just about like, hey, we can 10x your sales. Like, a matter of fact, I like puke in my mouth a little bit when I think of that statement in the first place. But what <laughs> we do promote is is helping you to make your life better. We help you to live a rebellion out in your daily walk. And that is the mindset shift that's needed in most cases to be a better salesperson, right? Because if your life isn't right, how are you going to be successful in, in business to begin with? And because when you reach that success, if all these other things are terrible, your habits, your your mindsets, you know, all different, you know, personal things that we could think of and, and spit out here, you know, but, you know, for time's sake, we won't. You know, if all, we can get those things correct, we can get ourselves on this straight and narrow, even if it's a little windy at times, but create transparency through that process. And we're on, you know, cloud nine, you know, when it comes to success moving forward, because when we get it, we can enjoy it, you know, <laughs> back in our personal walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, another thing that you, you say we should stop doing is worrying so much about KPIs. And I think this is also comes in the marketing space. That's what I hear a lot. Um, why is that also relatable to sales? Like, I think in general, the idea of a KPI has just gone completely bonkers and, and, yeah. and it has gone sideways where we are so addicted to the metric of activity, right? So we say, oh man, my email got a 90% open rate. Cool. How much did you sell? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I always go to right away. Like, I don't really care if you have a 90 I can send an email right now to 20,000 people and get a 90% open rate. No problem. Trust me. Yeah. It's not hard. Right. But what about the action that you, that you, that they took, that you awoken in them in those moments? What about the sense of wonder? What about the curiosity that you caused? If you're not focusing on all these things, the KPI is useless in the first Mm -hmm. place. It is literally just a glorified number in those moments. There are millions of sales reps out there across the world that hate the idea and the identity of their 150 calls a day. They hate it. They mm-hmm. absolutely hate it. And they find success outside of it. And that's where that mindset starts to really play in, you know, that 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 dissatisfaction toward the number, right? Because I got a rep right now. He's, I, I think I, he does like 30 to 40% of the total KPI that he's supposed to do per day, per week. And mm-hmm. he's the number two rep in the organization, right? Wow. Number two rep. There's a hundred plus people at this company, Right. That's saying a lot. And, and, and again, like you can measure that a myriad of different ways to say that, well, he's really, you know, even though he's number two, he could be number one. Like who cares? Because mm-hmm. his quality of interactions are awesome. He will retain more clients because of the relationship built and he'll have fulfillment in his daily walk and what he's doing, which means you can retain him just the same. And he can be yeah. the number two rep for the next 10 years. If you're, if you're careful and you treat him, mm-hmm. you know, the right way. So Goes KPIs back to point number go. one. Yeah, goes back to number one. Uh, stop treating them like employees. But if the KPIs are going to go, um, what should they be focusing on instead? I mean, the traditional KPIs out the window. What should we look at? Yeah, I like targets. I like the concept of targets of saying, mm-hmm. you know, starting the year and saying, okay, guys, as a company, if we hit these numbers, we can make progress for ourselves and and then showing that progress, right? So my company used to do this, even though we did have quotas, we weren't really adherent to them unless we weren't 
we weren't hitting them for like more than three or four months in a row, right? Which mm-hmm. you just didn't do in my industry in general um, and not get fired, right? So you, <laughs> you were gone in 90 days if you weren't hitting those numbers in the first place, right? But I digress. The The idea of a target is something that is a shared vision between you and the employees. So, hey guys, so if we want, we want to build a new, you know, we want to have more infrastructure. We want to buy new vehicles. We want to do this, this, and that. We want to provide better healthcare for the organization and take the more expensive plans, whatever the case may be, when we have targets and we sit down and say, okay, so to achieve those targets, we have to hit this number and there's 10 of you. So that means that we got to split it between all 10 of you. And this is what it looks like. What do you guys, how do you guys feel about that? And now, now that the number is more of a target, it's an, it has attainable goals and has things attached to it that, that are bigger than just like, oh, you hit your number and you can stay employed and get yeah. your bonus. But instead it's like the culture and livelihood of the organization. It's on a whole nother, another page. And the other side of that is that a lot of people say, well, how do you do that with 10,000 employees? Easy. You have the sales department basically work toward an attainable goal that provides for the other departments, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, you create an ecosystem inside of that, that sales department that helps them to see that, okay, guys, instead of like just sending you to Cancun this year, we're going to let you just like dump money into a slush fund as long as you hit these targets, right? So hit yeah. these targets and we'll take this much percentage out of and put into a slush fund and you guys can spend it on whatever you want. Uh, you know, take a vote on it, go wherever you want to go. And you guys can, can even just divvy the money up and do your own thing uh, as you, as you please. Right. There's a lot of ways to make this work. People make excuses around not wanting to make it work because everybody's got preferences and opinions and blah, blah, blah. When the culture is correct and when it's, when it is seated and there's a foundation and it is nurturing people throughout the process, right. Then it becomes something that's a belief, right? More so than anything else. And when people believe in what it is that they do every day, then they go to a level that cannot be described when it comes to the success that they attain. Yeah. Does that, does it give them the freedom to do things they know work? So for example, if they know they 150 calls work, but they know that their emails are garbage, but they have to do the emails anyway, because it's a KPI. Does that kind of give them the freedom to be like, man, I'm going to hammer the phones. I know I'm good at the phones because it's a target instead of just going after, you know, the checklist. Exactly. So there still has to be some quality control around it, right? Because Mm -hmm. you you have to, if people want to grow and be better, they have to put in, you know, at a minimum a 40 hour work week. But when they put in a 40 hour work week, right, and they hit a number that puts them at this like 400% of their target, and they're halfway through the year. You know, then in in your mind, you should be rewarding that like, hey, for the next six months, you've got a pretty easy life. Right. But what we want to also be focused on is the long game as well, too. So don't forget that the next six months are just a window in time because another year is going to start and another year after that, another year after that. Right. And so, again, if we were nurturing these mindsets and living by them and actually implementing them in the first place around this identity of people becoming successful in their own way at my company, you know, then it takes a it's, it just takes another another advanced step from that perspective as far as the shared success that that comes from that as well too because listen when i was selling so much uh you know millions of dollars a year in, in copiers you know the company went from 8 million to 25 million in a matter of no time like five years yeah. right and then and so there's 70 new employees all of a sudden i mean the place was freaking huge by the time i left it and everyone was reaping the benefits right mm-hmm. so like it is it's shared success to that extent as well too that we just again if we nurture it and if we call it what it is and we create environments where we are being benefited as the sales rep and not just like held to a system, held to a number and enslaved, then, yeah. you know, it'll thrive and it'll be something that can't be denied when it comes to the actual success that's at. 
Here at OneClick, we know that at the end of the day, you just want to be a successful business owner. And in order to do that, you need a website that looks amazing and gets results. The problem is you don't know where to start when it comes to building a website, which makes you feel overwhelmed every time you try to begin the process on your own. We believe you should never feel overwhelmed about building a website. We understand what it feels like not knowing where to start, which is why we can handle the work for you. Here's how it works. Step one, visit oneclickagency.com to get a quote. Step two, let us build you a professional website. And step three, your business will stand out online without you lifting a finger. Visit oneclickagency.com today so you can stop feeling overwhelmed about your website and instead get a professional to build one that stands out from your competition and gets you results. Two more points here. The first one is um, we need to really start helping as companies. Um, our people with personal development, what are some ways that we can do that? So a couple of ways would be, you know, changing the way that we run, like, let's say specifically one-on-one meetings. So like check-in meetings, like whether you do those weekly, whether you do them bi-weekly, whether you do them monthly, you know, so getting with your people and having more of a direct and transparent dialogue around something that helps them to grow and be better is so much better than just saying like, Hey, you didn't complete all your tasks today. You got 90% of your task done this week. You got, you, you just squeaked by it's at 77% of what I asked you to do this month. And so do better next month, right? Those are pointless and mindless conversations, but I've said, if we're working with each individual around self-development, personal development and attaining the kinds of goals and structure that somebody wants in their life. And so like a 22 year old kid doesn't really know what he or she wants in those moments, but giving them the outlet to be able to express those things and giving them the opportunity to be able to find them as well too, then suddenly you're on a path with them and you're, and that path is a story, which is a journey that, that most people don't get to go on in the first place. And in 10 years, when that person's 32, they're going to either look back and go, you know, the way that this leader helped me to develop myself and, and didn't just, you know, I didn't just have one-on-one meetings to talk about my, my numbers and my goals, but instead once a month, we sat down and read a chapter in a book that mm-hmm. changed my life. And that this person helped me to understand, you know, things that were bigger outside of just my work life. They helped me with, you know, things that I struggle with from an addiction perspective or things that I struggle with from a sexuality perspective or things that I struggle with, with my marriage, if I have one, or things that I struggle with, with my kids, if I have one, like if we really get to the root of people and we build them, right. And we help them to understand that process, then they in turn build themselves. It's like giving a fisherman fish, right. Or giving a fisherman a fishing pole, like, or I should say people, right. Teaching them to be fishermen or teaching them how to, you know, bribe somebody into giving them fish, right? There's two completely different methodologies there. Yeah. How often are you doing this? Or would you um, tell people to do this? I know it, it really depends on team size, um, but let's say like core team that you're you're developing um, and putting time into, how often should we be doing that? Well, so I think everybody should be like from a monthly perspective that everybody should, they should be always rotating through this development concept throughout the month, but that the topic should change at least quarterly around mm-hmm. that development, right? And, and so whether it's like, hey, do you suck at time management or, you know, are you really good at it? But, well, you know, yeah. like, and, the, and those things, like, even if you're really good at it or you suck, like this, the development should be the same. Like, well, we're gonna go through this course together and, and prove that you're really good or we're gonna prove that you have some work to be done, right? Or we're mm-hmm. gonna make you better. And, and and again, I think that like allowing people to also kind of like as a team choose these things, like, and, and, and also like creating a company that's based around principles, that's based around vision statements, mission statements, things that 
core values that people can look at and say like, this is why I'm here and what I believe alongside this organization, right? Mm -hmm. When people can tap into that deeper seated ability to believe in what it is that they do, where it is that they are and who it is that they're serving, instead of just like, oh, I make money to pay bills and I'm going to die one day, right? Like when we're, when we're thinking on such a greater perspective and scale, things change from the way that we deliver and the way that we execute in general, right? Even like in the midst of adversity, like when there's negative $7,500 in the bank and you're sitting here wondering like, how am I going to pay people? I sat with my dad in those moments, bro, in the middle of a recession. And I yeah. watched him, you know, make sure everybody else was taken care of except for himself. And I watched the, the beauty of that unfold over time, that servant leadership mindset where people were bought into him. They were bought mm -hmm. into his ideology. They were bought into the way that he developed and grew others, right? But I think that it can do, it can even be done better than what my dad did. And that, and that individuals listening can start by just committing to other humans and saying like, yeah, there's, I don't like the way that this person dyes their hair, but we, we want an inclusive environment. So we hired him. We'll find out why you don't like the person's hair dyed, number one. So awareness yourself, <laughs> and then also help to, to find out and, and visualize like why they dye their hair, like why they're an extroverted, you know, very loud person and help. And when you find those things, you will help them to find fulfillment in the process as well, too. So I think it's an ongoing thing that happens every month at a minimum, mm -hmm. right? With quarterly topic changes. But I would also tell people like, if you have management in place in the way that you should be, it should be once a week that you're at least as a team developing each other and working on things that are outside of like, did you send enough emails today? Yeah. Um, final point we have here is companies need to start building legacy through their sales departments. Um, that's obviously super important, but where do we even start with that? Mm. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think this is what the rebellion is all about. And I don't mm -hmm. want to self promote. I'm trying to think of ways to not self promote. No, it's good. Self promote here a little bit. <laughs> that I think that what it takes, the, in general, I think that this mindset shift. Let's just take it there, right? This mindset shift of like how we can do this, how as a as a society, how as a movement, how as a community, how as people, we can start to change the way that leadership looks at these things and 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 makes those decisions to say, oh, we're going to start treating people this way. Oh, we're going to start developing people this way. Oh, we're going to, we're going to completely change the entire structure of an organization and how that looks even is to rebel. And, and, and the best way to rebel is to be able to sit back and say, it's not about lighting a, a pitchfork or a torch and grabbing a pitchfork and violently getting your way, right? It's about hope inside of rebellions. The one thing that nobody talks about that they are truly built on is the desire for true change that 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 does something that what is happening cannot for other people and themselves, right? Because right now we're in a stagnant place. We're constantly, we sit around and think it sucks that the world is this way. It sucks that work is this way. It sucks that we can't do all these things. We'll get out of the pity party mode and start to have hope that these things can change. Just start to believe that through action and through time and through consistency and through adversity that you will, you will absolutely start to spark a movement underneath you even and take risks, be bold. I stepped out of my shell and said, all right, I'm going to, I have a $150,000 salary plus commission overrides, which made me a buttload of money. I'm going to say bye to all of it. And I'm going to literally yeah. start over and I'm going to risk losing my home. I'm going to risk, you know, all kinds of things that, that can literally ruin my life. Right. If you really think about it, it could mm -hmm. devastate my family. If you think about it, but if I said, and I dwelled on all that negativity, then yeah, I could pretty, pretty easily talk myself out Probably of ever yeah. <laughs> getting to my fulfilled and desired place inside of life. Right. But instead rebel, 
take the steps, tell yourself daily that it is the right thing, surround yourself with mentors, surround yourself with accountability and head in the direction of what will take us as a society to that place where the change just happens naturally. Mm-hmm. Well, Dale, thank you so much for joining me here, man. Uh, this has been awesome having you on. Um, for those who are inspired by the rebellion, where can they find it and where can they join it? Yeah, they can go to salesrebellion.com. Uh, there's all kinds of little options in there. They can learn a little bit more about the company as well, too, while we're on they're on those pages. But they can also head to Google and just type in Dale Dupree. And just typing in my name, you'll find all kinds of stuff, including my content, daily content on LinkedIn, uh, and then all my content on all the other platforms, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on them all. So come join our movement and come be inspired. Dale, thanks so much, man. You got it, bro. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Small Business Made Simple. If you learned something insightful, actionable, or useful that you're excited to implement in your business, please leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Not only are you helping other future listeners find the show, you're giving them an opportunity to learn something valuable they can implement as well. Thanks as always for listening to the Small Business Made Simple podcast, where we believe in providing you with the tools you need to stand out to your customers, beat your competition, and grow your business.